Welcome to Feed Your Health, a weekly podcast with your host Morgan Shepherd, where we'll be taking a deep dive into the big dial movers of health, focusing on movement, nutrition, and stress management. You'll get tangible takeaways, tactical knowledge, and exclusive stories to inspire and empower you on your transformational health journey. Let's get thriving. Welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is different for everybody, and that can look like when you do things that prevent you from reaching your goals, whether that's consciously or subconsciously. When self-control turns off and your desire for instant gratification turns on, that's when your desire for instant gratification and those little dopamine hits that you get are the drivers and the motivators of why you're doing a certain behavior. So it's no longer about your mental thought behind it, it's I want that little bit of dopamine and I'm going to do this thing because it gets me that right now versus thinking about the long-term effects of like why you're doing something. Getting that dopamine hit is easy. It's comforting. There's different forms of self-sabotage. So a lot of times that's going to show up as perfectionism or procrastination, constantly changing your mind, indecisiveness. Those are both forms of self-sabotage. A major one that I see with a lot of people is a lack of self-care. So not putting your needs first. You know, I know you want that workout. I know you need to do the workout. But when you don't prioritize it and you put the needs of other people's before yourself, often that is a form of self-sabotage. Doing specific behaviors that you know are drains on your energy. That is a form of self-sabotage. So for example, watching TV or playing a lot of video games, if you do desire to do other things outside of that, getting wrapped up in that cycle of these drains on energy that just take over all of your time. That is a form of self-sabotage. A lot of times it shows up as you just waiting until it's too late, you know, sitting there at your desk in the morning being like, I know I need to go do this thing but I don't want to, and I'm not going to. And then by the time you get to the end of, you know, whatever your session is, you haven't done it and you've run out of time. So that is a form of self-sabotage, that waiting, that playing that game of just, I'm going to stay here as long as it takes. And then eventually I'm not going to have to do the thing because there won't be any time left. Um, it also shows up in ways that you let stress disrupt you. Self-sabotage is something that causes you to not stay consistent to give up on your goals, to quit before you even try sometimes. When I talk about it showing up as perfectionism or procrastination, those are sort of connected to each other sometimes, depending on who you are. I know for me, I am a perfectionist. And a lot of times that shows up as me working on a project over and over and over to try and get it as perfect as possible before I you know, share it with the public. But that can also show up as like, if I, you know, if I need to get in my workout on a busy day, wanting to do the whole workout and not having the time for it, and then being like, okay, well, I don't have the time for it. So I'm going to not do it because there's no time to do the whole thing. That's a form of perfectionism. An example of procrastination would be like, if I were working on a project, and I came up against one of these big hard barriers of something that required a little more, bit more thought, it required a little bit more effort, and it just seemed at the time like it was too overwhelming for me to take on right now, I would do all this other busy work before even working on that project. You know, we talk about this, this concept of eating the frog. 
that's essentially getting over your procrastination, getting over doing all this other busy work that is stopping you from doing the thing. So like if you want to make working out a part of your day, don't wait until the end of the day. Put it first because everything else is procrastination. You are just wasting time thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to work out. I'm going to have to work out. Well, if you put it on the schedule and you make it the first thing that you do, you get rid of all of that busy thinking. You get rid of all of that extra energy and stress and you're able to commit to it more easily than if you were like, okay, I'm going to work in the afternoon, work out in the afternoon. But those are just some ways that self-sabotage can show up in your life. And it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different for, you know, your circumstances and what sorts of things you're trying to work towards as far as goals. And one of the biggest problems of self-sabotage is that we often end up in this spiral of loathing, self-loathing, self-hate, and just like negative thinking because we're the ones that are causing ourselves not to be able to do the thing that we want to do. We're the ones that are standing in our way. So like if you miss your morning workout, you're going to be mad at yourself and you're going to have, you know, distrust. So a lot of it is like you stop trusting your ability to do something because you you never get to do it because you stop yourself from doing it. I mean, you know this. You've been in this cycle, most likely. If you're listening to this, you've probably been in some cycle of self-sabotage at some point. So finding a way to to recognize it, that it's happening, is the first step. I talk about this with everything, but awareness is the key. So awareness, mindfulness, bringing yourself back to your body and what is happening that's how you begin to notice that it's happening, name what is happening, and be able to break down, okay, why am I doing this? And is what I'm doing benefiting me? Is it, is it beneficial of me to get that extra 10 minutes of sleep? Do I really need that? Or would it be better for me if I did get up and do the workout? And so a lot of times when this happens, it is because of a lack of awareness, but it's also that we are stuck in these habits and these cycles of patterns that we've been doing for so long that we're just used to it. Like I talked about distrust. You've created these habits where you don't do the thing. You expect yourself not to. You expect yourself to fail. So it's a lack of awareness, but it's a lack of also believing in yourself. And I think sometimes that can be really hard because you've had such a long cycle of not having success and not being able to do the thing, that you just assume that it's gonna stay that way. Obviously, you know I'm gonna say, coaching is gonna help you out with that now. Obviously not everybody can have a coach right now, but something that I like to do is a lot of self-talk. I will self-coach myself. So if I wake up in the morning and I want to do an early morning workout, I'm going to self-talk myself into doing it. So I'm going to lay in bed and I'm probably gonna have all the same excuses that you have but because I've had the practice of meeting these excuses where I'm at and being like, okay, I see that you're cold and that staying in bed is, is the better idea because it will give me that temporary dopamine hit of staying in bed, staying warm, looking at my phone a little bit longer. But I also see, I know that getting up will get me the results that I want because then I'll go do the workout. And I also like the feeling that I get when I work out. So I know that if I do the workout, the result is better 
than if I don't do the workout. If I don't do the workout, I'm going to have guilt. I'm going to have shame. I'm going to be mad at myself because I didn't show up for it. Learning to self-coach yourself through those moments is part of the process of developing that awareness of what is actually happening and why it's happening. And is it a pattern of behavior that you've repeated for so long that it's just ingrained in who you are? A lot of that comes down to paying attention to what your behaviors are. Why do you do what you do? What is your morning routine like? Like, why is your day set up the way it's set up? I talk a lot about with clients, energy management. How is your energy throughout the day? So you're looking at, you're looking at things that are going to be a drain on your energy. And if you're depleting your energy, you know, realize where those levels rise and fall throughout the day and don't put the complicated work at those moments when your energy is going to be depleted. So if you are wanting to do a workout, you know, for me, that's why I enjoy the morning workout because I know that's when my ability to make choices with reason is higher in the morning than it is in the evening. In the evening, I'm tired, I'm whiny, I don't want to do the thing. But in the morning, I'm more likely to do it. It's that fresh start effect. So begin to notice when you get in your own way. So where are you? What is happening? Who are you with? Sometimes there are certain people that we hang out with that might affect how we respond to certain situations. You know, I, I look at a lot of like past relationships that I've been in where a person might not have been as determined as I was to do exercise or to eat healthy. And so my behaviors started to model what they did versus doing what I wanted to do. That can happen a lot. So like, who are you hanging out with? Who are your friends? You know, we talk about this notion of like, you are, what is it? The sum of the five people who you're closest to? What are their behaviors? How did they get up in the morning? How did they show up? How are they doing their workouts or eating or any of these things? Because that's gonna be similar to how you show up. So if you don't agree with the way that they're living their lives, then you you need to recognize that and at least be aware of it. I'm not saying go get new friends, but I'm saying like notice when that happens. And then it's up to you to start to make that shift of okay, I see that, but I'm going to choose this instead. And then one of the other things to think about is like what level of satisfaction are you going to get from the action that you're going to take? So if you choose to stay in bed, is the satisfaction of staying in bed for 15 more minutes worth it? Or is the uncomfortableness of getting dressed and going to the gym when it's cold and doing a workout, is all of that, you know, do they balance out? Which makes more sense. Now, obviously logic is hard to use in these situations because we are in a brain space that doesn't really allow reason to happen. But that's why when you focus on developing your ability to have mindfulness and awareness, you are training yourself so that when you are in those heightened moments of stress and emotion and like not wanting to do something, you're able to bring yourself back to reason. You're able to bring yourself back to awareness and mindfulness of what your choices are and then make a conscious choice of, no, I'm intentionally choosing to get up and do this workout. You know, and then another thing that I talked about earlier was that you have to believe that you're able to do the thing. So I think sometimes we are like, okay, cool, I'm gonna work out on these two days this week and I'm going to put it on the schedule and commit to that. But because we have had a history of self-sabotage and because we have perpetuated these patterns for so long, it can be really hard to trust that even if we write it on the schedule, we might not end up doing it. We might be like, well, no, I don't wanna do it. 
never mind. Um, you know, I've done that. I still do that. It happens occasionally, but like part of developing awareness is really leaning into what is it that you want out of life? Like, what is your vision? What are your values? And I come back to this a lot because that's really what's going to drive your motivation is knowing what direction you want to go in and who you want to become. And if you're not allowing yourself to start doing the things that are easy and trust yourself to show up and do the workout, then you're not going to be able to build on that belief. Stop assuming that you'll fail just because you have failed in the past. Because when you do that, your brain gets into that thought process of, oh, well, I've never done it. So, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to do it this time. So why should I try? So we're trying to move yourself away from that thought process. Now, one of the ways that we do that with clients is to create really manageable goals. Like if you don't work out regularly and you want to start working out six days a week, I'm not going to have you work out six days a week. I'm going to say, okay, cool. You're starting at zero. Let's have you work out twice next week, knowing full well that you'll probably only get to one. But if I give you something that you know that you can most likely achieve, you are more likely to do it because you know you'll get a win. Whereas if it's too hard, too unattainable, then you're less likely to commit to doing that thing. So a lot of what happens in coaching is helping you develop that self-trust because I want you to be able to say, yes, I know I'm going to be able to do this thing. Now, I can't do the next thing, but that's how, you know, I hold your hand and I help get you there. And we build on these little wins one after the other so that you can achieve that success. Another thing to think about when talking about self-sabotage is whether or not you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset, which is very similar to what I was just talking about. Like if you have a fixed mindset, you most likely believe that you can't improve on what you're doing. Like your abilities are already at the level that they can be at and that you can't get any better. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you're more inclined to be like, well, this is going to be a challenge. It's going to be hard, but... I'm okay with putting in the effort. I'm okay with trying and embracing challenge and seeing what comes up. And then I can learn from those experiences and I can learn from any failures or difficult circumstances that do come up. I'm not stuck in this space of, well, no, I can't do it. It's, I can't do it yet, but I'm working on it and I'll get better and I can grow. There's room for growth. Obviously growth mindset versus fixed mindset means you're stuck in a spot versus growing. Another aspect of that is I like to look at like people who have a fixed mindset can feel very threatened by other people who have had success, partially because they want that success, but also because there's this idea that in order to get success, it should come easy. And that's just not how it works. Success doesn't come easy. You're going to have to work hard at it. So people with a growth mindset, they're more inspired by people who have had successes that they haven't had. And they're more likely to be like, okay, I'm going to do all the hard work that it takes to get there because I know that I can achieve greatness if I keep doing the work. You know, it's not about, it's not going to come easy. It's not about no effort. It's about doing the work, putting in the effort and seeing what happens. And you're going to have different levels of growth mindset and fixed mindset in different areas of your life. So part of the process of awareness is developing a knowledge of where you fall on those spectrums 
in different areas of your life. So, you know, maybe you don't have resistance when it comes to working out. Maybe your struggles have to do with eating healthy or, you know, not overeating. Bringing awareness to what your tendencies are is going to be key. Like noticing where you have fixed mindset tendencies pop up and how can you let go of that? Are they are they things where they're leading your day? Like how often are you saying, no, I can't do that? No, I don't know how. No, I don't want to. How often does that show up in your day? When you notice that, then you're able to be like, okay, wait, I can pause, I can get mindful, and I can be like, well, I may not know how to do it yet, but I can find a way to get there. I can get better. You know, it's also interesting to notice that if you have a growth mindset in certain areas of your life, it's kind of compounding. Like it's going to spread to other areas of your life because you're building on that self-trust and you're building on that idea that you can do something or that you believe that you are capable of more than what you're doing now. So, you know, for example, I think of it like eating healthy. You know, people, people say eating healthy is really hard. It's challenging. But like once you start doing it, it becomes easier and you're more inclined to want to eat healthy the healthier you eat because you feel better and your taste buds will change and they'll adapt to what you're eating so that you end up craving the healthier foods and not the over fat saturated foods or the highly salted processed junk foods. It's obviously not that simple, but that is something that I think about, you know, when you have these two situations and you're like, well, I, I don't want to be stuck in this fixed way of thinking, but I want to improve. And there is science behind this notion that if you start doing healthy things in one area of your life, you're more likely to start doing them in other areas of your life. So that's why a lot of coaches, we just have you start with one thing. We're not like we're going to focus on fitness right now, or we're going to focus on nutrition right now, but I'm not going to have you do a full life overhaul all at once because A, that's going to be overwhelming and there'll be too many things for you to focus on that you won't do any of them. But B, I know that if I can get you doing one thing really well, that that's going to compound on everything else and it will just expand and you'll just get better at each little thing in other areas of your life. So like if your home life, if you make that healthier and you fix it and you start f feeling good with your food and you start feeling good with your working out and you start feeling good with your environment and your social support systems and all of that, that's going to spread into your work life. And then you might improve at work to the point where you get a promotion or something like that. But basically what I'm saying is that when you work on one little thing, it's going to improve every other area of your life. So that's part of having a growth mindset, but that's also part of developing that self-trust so that you know that you can do the thing. If you can do the one thing, then you can do the other things, basically. Conversely, if you're focusing on the negative and you're focusing on like, I can't do this thing, that's going to spread into every other area of your life. So, you know, that's why people get stuck in these ruts because, you know, if you, if you feel like you can't do something in one area of your life, you know, if you're failing at your nutrition or you're failing at your workouts or you're not getting enough sleep or any of those things, it compounds on top of itself and you end up just sort of spiraling. Now, that's not to say that it's always like that. Everybody is different and I don't know your circumstances. So those are just some general things that I've noticed with clients and with my own life that tend to happen 
when it comes to having a growth mindset, fixed mindset and self-sabotage. And I also wanted to mention that there's this thing called like the what the hell effect where, you know, I've talked about previously the deprivation indulgence scale where you on the one hand, you're restricting yourself from eating, overeating or overindulging in certain foods. And then you end up in the other extreme of overeating and binge eating. And that's usually, that usually happens because something triggered it. You know, you were deprived for so long and then maybe something later in the day where you were tired was like, made you have a reaction where you might've slipped up, you know, and maybe someone brought in cookies at work and you had a little bit too many. Well, the what the hell effect is essentially when you start to feel guilty about those extra cookies that you probably didn't need, but you ate anyways. And then you're just like, well, fuck it. I may as well order dinner and have a whole pizza and a pint of ice cream because I've already fucked up my day. So the what the hell effect is when you throw in the towel and you just like go all out. That's what I'm talking about when things are compounding. Sometimes if you let yourself slide out of awareness, slide out of mindfulness, that's when that will happen because extremes beget extremes and you know just keep swinging back and forth but the goal with me with my coaching with what i talk about is to bring you back to this middle middle ground of like moderation where you're not you're not falling into either extremes you know you're not falling into the what the hell effect and you're not falling into restriction and deprivation one of the things that i really talk about with clients and with my coaching is trying to figure out okay so bringing yourself back to this middle ground bringing yourself back to mindfulness and awareness of like what was it that triggered you was it that was it the cookies or was it that you had had a stressful meeting right beforehand or was it that you didn't have breakfast? Because all of those are things that put drains on your energy. And maybe there was a trigger at the end there that the cookie was the trigger, but it could also have been that you didn't sleep well last night, so you missed breakfast because you were late for work. And then all of these things are compounding on top of themselves so that by the time the cookies are in front of you, you are already past the point of making decisions. I mean, if, go check out my podcast episode called Total Mental Load, I think. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's the one where I talk about when your brain gets so overwhelmed by all of the things that you're thinking about throughout the day, you know, all of the stress that you might have experienced, that by the time you get to a certain point or a trigger or a moment, you can't make another decision. You can't choose the healthier option because you're already past that point. That is a form of self-sabotage. So when I talk about like not having self-care, taking the time to slow down, to have that mindfulness, to be like, okay, I didn't sleep well last night. I need to have breakfast, even if I don't have time, because I know what could happen throughout my day. So a lot of mindfulness and awareness is figuring out what your body needs in that moment and being like, okay, how can I prepare myself for future moments so that I can stop future Morgan from overdoing it and stop her from having too many slices of cake after work or whatever it is. But like, basically you're taking care of your future self. And you know, that's not gonna happen right away. The, the first step really is, is pulling you into the mindfulness and then pulling you into, into awareness of what is actually happening in those specific moments so that then you can eventually learn what it is that you're needing, look at the bigger picture, 
of like what it is that you haven't been providing your body with what you, your body, your mind, your spirit, whatever. But like there is usually a need that you need that you haven't met, which is what leads you to self-sabotage. So when you're thinking about, okay, I don't want to fuck up my workout tomorrow and I want to make sure that I get it done. How can you take care of that person? Because you know you're going to wake up and you're going to have those excuses and you're going to have those things that you think about. But part of having the awareness and the mindfulness now in the present moment is thinking about the future version of yourself. And you can use this a lot when you're thinking about like social situations or events, parties, that kind of thing, you know, because you're going to be in these moments where life is uncertain and you don't know what's going to happen and you want to teach yourself to be able to trust yourself, you know, whether that's around food or like alcohol or any of those things. But the way that you teach yourself to trust yourself, that is an interesting way of saying that, um, is to, to slow down. And it seems so trivial and like so simple, but so often we just get so wrapped up in everything that we're doing that we forget that that's necessary and that that's the thing that's going to help us bring more mindfulness back into our lives so that we're able to do the things and we're able to take care of that future self so we don't end up in self-sabotage. And ultimately, the key is mastering your mind and knowing that you are in control of your choices for the most part. I mean, there's always going to be outside influences. There's always going to be circumstances affecting you, but you choose how you go about your day and what you focus on and what you put first and, you know, what intentionality you bring to your day. That is up to you. One of the most important practices that I talk about with awareness is learning what is within your control and what is not. And then what can you do about it? So I teach awareness checks, which is essentially what I've sort of broken down here, but it's how you slow yourself down with mindfulness and then you take a beat and you think about what it is that you actually need and you're able to respond to situations or prepare for situations that might come up so that you're never feeling like you're out of control because you're in control of your own choices and your decisions. Now, obviously there's going to be situations where, you know, you might lose control but that's why we build on the self-trust. And I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself here, but when you're in self-sabotage mode, you're in that, I want the quick fix, I want the dopamine hit, and nothing is gonna stop me from doing that. So when you learn mindfulness, you're able to take a beat to slow down and to recognize when that happens and notice patterns when it happens and notice certain triggers or certain people or certain locations, certain events, how often it happens. Um, I know for me, for a lot of clients, honestly, the end of the day is the hardest part to stay in control. I think developing the awareness helps you to think about the next action that you're going to take and pay attention to what are the, you know, as I mentioned, the benefits, the, the satisfaction, what are you going to get out of it? You know, if you do end up self-sabotaging, if you do end up not working out or overeating or any of these things, how is that going to help you? Can you change your perspective to think about the long-term benefits versus that, that instant gratification dopamine hit that your brain is seeking? When you train yourself to develop mindfulness and awareness, when you have those moments of stress and anxiety and 
you know, where you feel like you're losing control, you have tools in place to help pull you out of that so that you can bring yourself back to mindfulness. And a lot of that is what we cover in coaching because we've, we are a society that has forgotten how to be mindful. We've forgotten how to slow down. We've forgotten how to be present and in the moment. So a lot of what I coach on is how to do that, how to clear your mind to be able to slow down and prioritize what it is that you actually want to prioritize and be able to do that in a way that's not going to overly stress you or, you know, it's not going to push you over the edge. And you can still sort of control your mind within the chaos of reality. That sounds so weird right now. <laughs> Anyways, and ultimately everybody's going to be different. Your stressors are not going to be the same as my stressors. So it's about navigating your own life and like how these things are showing up for you. And one of the things that I, I talk about a lot and I, I think about a lot myself is like, how can I learn from my stress? When I experience stress in a certain situation, why is it showing up? What is it that is causing me stress? Do I need to feel that way? And can I shift my perspective so that I don't feel that way? Like, can I turn it off? Is there a benefit to feeling stressed right now? Sometimes stress is useful, like the stress at the start of a race, those nerves, that heightened energy that gives you a little adrenaline rush. But how often are you experiencing that kind of stress? And is it to the point of extremes? Basically, just pay attention and start to, you know, maybe write it down. That's why I love journaling, because you're able to brain dump all of those things, you know, what is stressing you and like tune into where are those stressors coming from? Can I mitigate them? Can I avoid them? Can I lean into them and figure out how I can not feel so stressful around those things? Basically self-sabotage is when you have maxed out on your ability to handle stress. So prioritizing rest days, having recovery moments, having naps, making sure that you take extra time to recover and like calm down and have those moments where you're not overly stimulated. That's all super important. Those are ways to help you stay out of self-sabotage. Getting better at managing your self-sabotage comes from getting better at managing your stress and your energy. As I talked about earlier, like paying attention to where you're having drains on your energy, where those are fluctuating throughout the day, they may coincide with your stress levels. So one of the things that I have clients focus on is different, different biofeedback markers and energy and stress are two of the biggest ones that I have them pay attention to because that's how you're going to know, you know, what, what you're feeling, what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in the world around you. And also how are those all playing and interconnecting with your emotions? So, you know, you might be having a super stressful day and that's going to cause you to have like, you might be super sad or you might be super emotional. It's not about you know, I don't think that mastering self-sabotage is about willpower or discipline. I think it's about practicing awareness and mindfulness and tuning into those biofeedback markers and paying attention to, you know, what's happening in your day and your life and how you're responding to it. You know, one thing to think about is, is the discomfort of the activity worth the payoff? So getting up and doing the workout in the cold, all of that is the, the benefits that you get from working out worth it. 
And what level of discomfort are you okay with putting your body through? I think too often we are quick to be like, oh, I don't want to do this thing. It's going to be too much work. It's going to be too hard and I'm going to be uncomfortable. But I've talked about this previously, but leaning into discomfort, there are certain levels of discomfort that are okay because when you get uncomfortable, you can push the level that you're able to handle of discomfort and you know your body will respond to that and you'll be able to grow and and do more complicated things so i think sometimes pushing yourself to do the thing even if it's uncomfortable is important and also realizing that you have a choice in those moments and part of being able to pull yourself out of self-sabotage is preparing for it, knowing that it's going to happen, knowing that you're gonna have those moments and learning to make that situation easier for yourself. So preparing for the future version of yourself and how can you take care of yourself now? So take that, run with it. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I hope some of this provided value. If you liked it, share it with a friend, subscribe, leave a comment, a rating, review, whatever, and I'll catch you in the next one. Ciao. Thank you.